R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-employability. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Re-e-a audio. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? Regardless of whether you're successful at achieving your goal or not, the thought of a fresh start at the beginning of each year provides excitement, sometimes hope and certainty, and a sense of control over the coming year. And I've had a number of aha moments throughout my life, things that I think probably I should have known all along, but it took someone to look me in the eye and tell me straight up. And this is one, you can start your day over or your week over or your month over or your year over at any time. Every minute can be a fresh start if you so choose. So even though REA Audio is weighted to the one year anniversary of this podcast to make this change in format, we may change it again at any time if it's the right thing to do. Our new focus on stories and leading with the positive is the right thing to do now. You know, almost nothing has been predictable since March of 2020, and it seems like the world's been overwhelmed with one crisis after another. Data and statistics can only go so far to help us understand the world around us and what to do about things. It's people, human connections, those things that can't be quantified that we need to take us the rest of the way. So here we go. Welcome to season two of REA Audio. Dr. Claire Musselman, you're back with us again to kick off season two of REA Audio. And you, you might hear a little bit of a different sound to, to this recording that we're doing here. We are actually in a conference room high atop your new office building in Des Moines, Iowa. This is actually REA Audio's first like on-location podcast. So it's actually pretty exciting. And thank you for inviting us out here. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, where we are? and what you're doing now. Sure, thank you so much for having me back and thank you guys for coming here to be in what I call the metropolis known as <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. So we are currently sitting at the top of the Market One building in the East Village of Des Moines. We are at Emory Industrial Holdings, the corporate office for Emory Industrial Services, Emory Dry Ice, and a couple of our other operating companies that are currently coming out right as we speak. And right now... Oh, all things fun in life. So, explain a little bit about what what y'all do because when okay. you say dry ice, I picture you know sitting at a baseball game and being able to keep my stuff cold without water <laughs> being all around it, and that's not at all what you're doing. No. So, um, Emory Industrial has a plethora of service offerings. Dry ice is just one component of that. So, we have the ability to manufacture dry ice, which is done out of our Houston operations, and then we also have the ability to dry ice blast, which is one of our industrial service offerings. We also have a very awesome and complex oil and gas industry um, service offerings that range from oil remediation, regular remediation, hydrolancing, hydroblasting, preventative maintenance for any of the oil type services. Um, there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that, but a lot of the preventative maintenance and industrial services to help keep items clean and refreshed and moving, functioning well. Also with some of the groups that do dry ice blasting, I mean, when you think about it, it's really scientifically based, which is pretty fantastic. So there's a lot, there's a lot less downtime. So when you think of like manufacturing facilities or anyone that has like air duct systems that need cleaning, the dry ice can be done with very minimal downtime. We use a lot of robots so that you've got like a per two people and a robot. So you're not bringing in ridiculous amounts of crews, but you've got 
very minimal downtime. It's also very environmentally friendly because when you're cleaning with dry ice, there's none of the chemical residual compounds that exist. But also from the scientific perspective, it goes, it's all based about pounds per square inch of how and what the nozzle and the cone and the infrastructure with that. So we can take ink off of an egg. Mm. So that fragile but also lead paint off of bricks. So depending on what you need from like a blasting standpoint, um, it is not considered abrasive blasting, but if you think of sometimes the remediation side can be done after a fire Mm -hmm. or whatnot, so we're removing a lot of the carcinogens and things that are existent after some really unforeseen circumstances that can occur. And so it's just really fun from an environmentally eco-friendly standpoint of all the services that we offer that's that just is, like a plethora of stuff. That's so cool. And so, what are you? What's your role here? So my role is the chief, op, or sorry, chief risk officer here. So my job is to keep the enterprise alive and our employees happy and healthy and safe and all of the fun stuff that comes along with that. I wish you all could see what we can see from up here. The, this conference room, if I can explain it, is glass on two sides, and we are on like the fourth floor. And you can see the capital of Iowa in one direction. You can see where the Iowa Cubs play AAA baseball. You can see downtown, and, and I, it's a very gloomy, rainy day right now. But you if can it was see sunny, the skyline. Yeah, you, you can, can see the skyline. See it's skyline. In, in, I'll tell you, Des Moines, Iowa, if you've never been here, is definitely a place that you should bring your family because there's plenty to do and it's just a great place. I have not met an unfriendly person since I've been here. And and, and I say I, but I introduced us as we because Natalie Torres, one of our account executives from Reemployability, is joining us today on the podcast. And you'll see why in just a second. So Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself? Come on, roll on up and, and say hi. Yeah, hi everyone. Thanks for having me. My name is Natalie Torres and I'm an account executive with Reemployability and I am an advocate for injured workers in the return to work space, supporting employers on their return to work endeavors. And when uh, about five years ago, I became the wife of an injured worker and through that experience of supporting my husband and seeing him get back to work through return to work struck my heart space and is why I'm here with reemployability continuing to support support employers to this day and we're super happy you're here and and the reason why we wanted to bring both of you together for this really first episode of season number two is because as we explained in a couple podcasts ago the way we really want to pivot what we're doing on REA audio is is really focus more on the human story behind everything that there is that we do and you know everybody's got a story from work everybody's got a story from from their own personal lives everybody's got that backstory that really influences how we act and how we act around people and although we want to still provide a toolbox of things for folks folks in the risk world and and the workers' comp industry. We also want to help provide some of that backstory and present uh, some some really great things that the folks that we work with at Reemployability and you all work with in this industry, some of the things that they've done to, to better, better the lives of other people. We just really think you can get a lot out of that and we hope you kind of enjoy the new focus of what REA Audio is supposed to, supposed to be and what our goal is. And so um, I really wanted Natalie and Dr. Claire to be with us on this first episode because they both have 
incredible stories of how they've overcome different things in life and how they've impacted the lives of other people. And I thought it was just such a super way to do it, like live up in this room together to really <laughs> kick things off. So, so Dr. Claire, if you don't mind, we, we had dinner the other night, and you are also a professor at uh, du- uh, I'm sorry at Drake University Correct. here in Des Moines, um, beautiful campus. We drove through it today. It's very so cool, beautiful. very neat little campus. Um, and and you tell us a little bit like what are some of the things that you teach and then if you could explain the assignment that we talked about at dinner on sure. Sunday night. So I teach a plethora of classes in the College of Business and Public Administration from business strategy, a plethora of HR courses, and a lot about human development from like human capital development as well as self-leadership and personal development, which has been a really fun concept because one of the things that, you know, we can teach people all the strategy up and down, in and out, external analysis, competitive advantage, you name it, we can teach everything. But human behavior is always that flawed type of psychology that we have to really get a good basis behind. And so one of my favorite classes that I get to teach right now is the is human capital development and leadership. So not only do you need to understand yourself, but the better that you can actually use self-awareness, the better that you can actually understand people that you work with. And so one of the exercises we did, so I only have six weeks because our master's classes are very intense programs at Drake. And so we've got six weeks to get these people to break down their walls, learn how to see each other as well as themselves from like the, what I call the onion approach. And so a lot of times when we go around the room, kind of like we started with today, like, who are you? What's your position? What company do you work for? So we hear that a lot where I'm X position at X company and that's kind of how we identify ourselves. So the last couple times I've taught these development classes, I'm like, that is wonderful that you have those, but I don't want to hear about your familial position because a lot of people identify themselves as moms, dads, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, etc. And I also don't want to hear about your position at work. What we're going to try and do is break you down or break down those silos and break apart the onion to start figuring out who are you at your core. So because a lot of human capital development stems from who people are with their background and their stories and their experiences. So how do you get to that? Because a lot of us keep shells on when we're coming into work or we keep perceptions or we keep this facade up because sometimes we don't want to look in the mirror and see who we truly are or we're scared about the light that really shines within us. So one of the activities we did this past or two weeks ago was bringing these people together. Everyone goes around the room, they talk about like, I'm CFO of this company, I'm an account executive at this company, social worker, et cetera. Um, And one of the best parts was I was like, okay, this is great, super happy to hear all that. Yeah, throw that out the window. Now I wanna know your real story. And so I give people 10 minutes to journal, but I go first. I'm like, I'm gonna give you guys my story. You have eight minutes to present it and then two minutes to respond. It's very important that you have this response time so that people can feel validated. But you talk about your life, like tell me your life story, highs, lows, and pivotal moments. So it's interesting to see, because you kind of make it as a chart, and it's interesting, one, to see where people put birth, and then it's also really interesting. I had one of our students say, I think it's fascinating to see what happens to people between like the ages of like 18 to 25. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I love that because it's interesting to see where everybody's life goes. But so you give your story. I went first and I pr- I'm pretty vulnerable with mine. I, at this point, I, whatever, like, here's my story here. Right. Here it is. And so very upfront with people about it. And so then I give them 10 minutes to write theirs and it was unbelievable to hear these stories that our students were willing to share from any type of 
substance abuse, from familial issues that might be in existence or generational programming that they experienced, um, any type of I don't know, abuse or anything along those lines. Just there were some real life experiences, tears were shed, and it was amazing that this is the first time these students have ever met and we were able to break down those walls. But when we met for our next class then, it's a lot easier to get everyone to understand and open up. So we break down that, we get people to understand everybody has a story and everybody's story is so unique and powerful that that's how we use that as a jumping off point into what's next. So then we start into these self-assessments that identify, okay, here are some of your strengths, here's some of your weaknesses. Great to know that, but what's the why behind it? Why do you behave that way? And unless you can really get down to your core, looking truly at your highs, lows, pivotal moments in your life, how do you use that to actually develop your human capital, and then how do you build that within teams, organizations, friends, circles, families, etc., for the betterment of everyone? And it's been—it was fun to hear their responses, hearing like this was a cathartic experience. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic. I feel like that class has bonded now, but it also sets the tone for a lot of internal validation with one another. Into okay, I heard you say this. So now if you identify as whatever, like the color purple in a, in a personality assessment, well, do you think it could have been because X, Y, or Z? And just getting people to understand the why. We do not do a lot of job, a, a very good job in life, I think, of one, taking self-accountability, but also practicing self-awareness, let alone giving time to be able to do that, and then to see it within other people, to make people understand that, hey, your story absolutely matters and it was fun to see people start connecting the dots where they're like hey you had that experience thank you for sharing I've had something similar or I had a friend go through something like that or have you ever looked at a resource like this or if this is really a passion project for you what if we did this or could I connect you here and you started to see the connecting pieces and at the end of the day human connection is one of the most imperative things it's what builds trust it's what builds foundations and now that is cultivating and spinning, and I'm excited to see where the rest of the semester goes. I can only imagine their faces when you said, okay, now throw all that out the window. Now we want to know who you really are. Like, yeah. I, everybody had to be like, ah, well, what I, are you talking about? <laughs> when I did it with our, we did not do that exercise with the undergraduates, um, too big of a class. Mm-hmm. Also, I think it's a little bit different when you're working with adults that have like established careers at this point or are moving into that facade versus like, you know, college can be heavy and it's a different type of experience. You got to be careful who you do exercises like this with. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I did in the in our undergraduate class was talking about, all right, your very last assignment when you walk out this classroom door is to tell me two to three sentences of who you are. No position, no family, don't care about you being a student. Who are you? So for this master's class, because again, it's a master's, it's elevated. We're talking about human capital development throughout this process. It is a five minute video introducing me to who you are. Mm -hmm. So way harder than like two to three sentences Mm -hmm. and up to five minutes. Like I was like, do five minutes ish. Mm -hmm. Because some of you guys could go for hours on your stories. Some of you guys can go about two minutes, figure out a healthy balance, but introduce me to who you found in this class. Like who did you find when you open up that onion and we start to peel these layers back. And it was fun. So I like to talk about, so I talk about foster to adopt. Everybody knows the story at this point, if you've met me talked about it at some point but when I was I was explaining why I always have high for achiever or you know I always talk about being a chronic overachiever because I'm afraid I'm gonna get sent back and that's something that's like heavily ingrained with me and so 
one of our students the other night, he's like, okay, I see that. And he's like, but what's the psychology behind that? And so I was like, well, it's a worth. It's all about self-worth. And I feel that achievement leads to self-worth. And he's like, okay, so you achieve, okay, this, so where's the downside? I'm like, oh, I'm terrible in relationships. <laughs> Let me just tell you how bad I am because I equate self-worth to achievement, which mm -hmm. is easily identified in a work setting. But if I'm not in a work setting and I'm trying to establish relationships with people, like especially like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, et cetera, whatever that looks like in everybody's life, it's hard for me to identify if you are either not part of the industry, not part of a risk or insurance or whatnot. And I'm like, well, I've done all these things. Okay, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like I'm navigating that with my current partner, or boyfriend or whatever we want to call it these days, where he's like, great, okay. Congratulations. And so it has been like it's almost a cathartic experience being a part of this scenario because it is who am I as well while we're going through this. And so it was fun. I love when students ask questions back like that. Yeah. And so then, you know, we all laugh and I'm like, no, but seriously, mm -hmm. like this is like something I'm actually working through. But I also think it's a good way to demonstrate, all right, I'm a human being too. And as much as I'm going to give you guys all of the education, I can give you all the academia. I'm going to put you through some serious exercises that are going to emotionally exhaust you. You're going to come out as a better person. But you know what? At the end of the day, all of us don't know it all anyway. I'm just here to help start the, that process and shove you out that window mm -hmm. so that you can also do whatever you want moving forward next. So at the end of the semester, they have to create a development plan on, okay, here's what you learned about yourself. Now what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. And how do you go impact other people as a result mm -hmm. of it? And, and that was going to be my follow-up question because I know you're, you have a whole course on this, so I'm mm -hmm. not asking you to reveal I was the end or the whole course. Sure. But so if I'm listening right now and I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I would like to try something like this to get my teenage son to open up or to have better communication with my husband or my significant other, whoever that is. It, I know there's not an easy way to do it, but, but where do I start? Where do I start being able to communicate my story in a way that's going to be helpful and open to get them to lean in and to get them to better communicate and us to communicate together. One of the things that I think has been, I would say, a pivotal moment in my teaching style for classes like this is to offer the reflection time where it's more of a pointed question. So a lot of times, as someone who's having a teenage daughter, I like to ask questions with, well, how was your day today? Fine. <laughs> what did you do at school today? Nothing. Yep. So you, you didn't do anything. No. <laughs> like, you know, you get these like one word answers and anyone that's listening, if you have a teenager, you had at one point, you know, you get these like one word answers and it's just so hard to pull information out. But if you can ask a more targeted question. So one of the examples that we used this past class this past week was tell me the last time that you were angry. How did that, how did you experience the anger and what did that feel like? Because anger is a secondary emotion and we debrief this afterwards. And so we don't talk about it. Uh, we don't talk about the anger part right away, but I'm like, talk about the situation where you were angry the last time. And then how does that relate to the, one of the personality assessments we did? Weave that through, explain to me the anger that you felt with the association to your personality assessment. And what you find out is they're like, well, I really wasn't angry. I was just, a, I was upset about this or I was frustrated about this or I felt uncertain or I felt that my ego is attacked or 
I was just unsure of what was gonna come next or scared or whatever it is, I'm like, perfect. Anger is a secondary emotion. So it's one of those questions that when you're trying to get people to open up, if you ask something more on that behavioral stance of, you know, okay, so today, give me a high from your day. Tell me about a low. Did you tell me about something that frustrated you today? And you start asking people more about that behavioral experience driven. I think that's one of the ways to open up. A lot of times I've heard from my students, especially the undergraduate ones, if they are in a relationship, they start by opening, they'll say, okay, we've done these reflections questions and I give people about five minutes to actually physically write down a question or and then write down the answer because there's a lot of cathartic release that goes into that but also all right here's the question free flow and write it and they've used those questions with their partners to see you know what's going on with my boyfriend my girlfriend etc and they've said that that's been really helpful one of the things you mentioned is um, that you started and that you were open to them, mm -hmm. right? You gave an example. Um, do you think that is a key element to being able to get others to kind of open up and, and do what you need them to do? Absolutely, I think authenticity is imperative. Mm -hmm. So people can tell when you're giving them lines. Yeah. So I think it's very important that you just lead by example. But I also have realized that throughout this process in doing so, there's a little piece of me that heals every time mm -hmm. when you go through these type of scenarios or processes or these deep reflections. Because we are in a society in a time period where you never shut off. So where are you supposed to actually reflect on your life, what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, what's gone well, what hasn't? When do you do a self-audit of your life? And so I'm trying to actively create space for people to see that in five minutes, I can actually decompress and reflect on, okay, what it has gone well for me lately? All right, if I'm honest, what is my biggest fear? And then we, I always offer an opportunity for people to share because it's going to be so different because again, everybody's got different stories, different experiences, different scenarios but it's really fun to hear what they say. And I was honest with them the other day when we were talking about fears. I'm like, my biggest fear is I'm not gonna move the needle enough. Mm -hmm. But what the fights that I have right now, whether it be female leadership, there's so much going on right now when we look at just human rights as a whole, I'm worried that I won't get enough done so that my daughter doesn't have to repeat what we've done. Or, and I've said to the students, I was like, I'm worried I won't be able to do enough and impact enough that you guys won't be able to just come on and take off from where I'm going. I'm afraid we're gonna repeat the cycle again. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it frustrates me when I look at how we look at mentorship, for example, where we're, we're here and we're coaching and whatnot. Well, what did we do the last 40 years? And why weren't there people to help us along the way? Because we're fighting the exact same fights mm -hmm. that had been going on for the past 40 years. And yet, instead of trying to pave a way to bring people with, we have seen historically, and I say this from personal experience as well as I know Natalie has this experience too, where you had these experiences and you're gonna make it just as hard for me mm -hmm. to come across. I don't want that for people. I demand that we all show up better because these people that are coming up after us, whether it be mentees, children, anyone that we have an influence over, they deserve better. And we should be operating from a sense of I'm here to make good things happen for you. I'm here to be a game changer and a change maker. So let's start paving the way so that the world can actually get better and we don't keep repeating these condolences of whatever is, whatever is transpiring among our humanity at this point.
and, and that's that's actually a great opportunity to pivot over to, to Natalie. So, Natalie, thank you for, for joining us up here. I think this is your first time on uh, REA Audio, so thank you. And um, I don't know how good the video is going to be here because we're kind of facing into the sun. But um, so, you know, uh, Dr. Claire had mentioned, you know, bringing people along and and mentoring and being a part of that whole process. Now you have a great story about what a, a handshake that really, really changed your life. Tell us about that. Thank you. Yes, um, this is a story of my high moment, a pivotal moment, and yes, a person putting out their hand and bringing me along with them. Um, allow me to take you back to um, the National Work Comp and Disability Conference of 2016. It's actually the year when I met Dr. Claire for the first time as well, so it's an incredibly memorable conference experience. But um, before the conference started, the Alliance of Women and Workers' Compensation was holding their national event. And Margaret Spence was the keynote speaker that day, and she was highlighting her book, Leadership Self-Transformation. And these were, uh, uh, her, she was outlining steps in her book for ways that women can highlight and move their careers forward. And as she was going into her amazing presentation, I don't know if you've ever had this kind of experience where you're in these um, keynote speakers and they feel like they're talking right to you, but I was just on the edge of my seat with everything that she was saying because um, I had just joined the industry about two years ago and I was starting to develop into a deeper role um, engaging with uh, everybody in the industry. So um, while I was really nervous going to this first Alliance of Women and Workers' Compensation event, everything that Margaret was saying just felt like she was just speaking right to me. And as she finished her presentation, I, I ran over to her and put my hand out and I was like, hi, my name is Natalie Torres and, and it was just so wonderful to meet you and, and I was just so bubbly and she had to bring me down. She was like, oh, okay, Natalie, it's so nice to meet you and, and please tell me what it is that you do. And, and I explained to her how I had just found my, my heart space and my passion in my work with Return to Work. And she put out her hand and she said that she was um, on the committee of the Workers' Compensation um, Institute Conference uh, with the Return to Work breakout and that she would like me to come in and be a part of that and be a part of her presentation the next year. And, and it was just incredible because she, she put out her hand and she brought me along with her. And I can say that that handshake is the reason why I'm sitting in this room today. And so many incredible things have unfolded in my, my personal life from that day, from what she's shared with me, and, and she's become a member of my, my personal board of directors, and she's been able to guide me through such incredible experiences, and some that weren't so incredible. Um, but uh, it is, I can trace back that handshake to the reason that I'm sitting in the room here with y'all today. One of the things that, that I notice when, when you know, we're going on calls together and we're on phone calls with people, and I, and I notice you communicating with other folks, um, especially women in the industry or people coming 
coming into the industry. You had mentioned you like to kind of take some folks on and introduce them to the right people and, and kind of bring them along and try to mentor them. Um, is, obviously, that comes directly from that experience that you had, right? It does, yeah. yes. Uh, and the pleasure of meeting other folks like Dr. Claire and other strong women in this industry that um, they did something for me that I, I want to do for other women. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea of meeting any um, next generation young women that I can bring into um, a luncheon or walk into a conference together and make those kind of connections for, mm -hmm. um, paving that way and putting out my hand and bringing them along. Um, just like Margaret did for me. You had mentioned uh, your husband and mm -hmm. uh, and some of the experiences that he ha he's had as an injured worker, and that's what kind of led you in this direction and helped you have a passion, a passion mm -hmm. for this. Um, is there anything that you've learned in doing what you're doing here that's helped you to help him through some of the experience that he's had? Some of the things that you've learned in this in this industry and working with other injured workers that's that's been helpful. Sure, yeah. Um, as we were navigating his um, disability management, it was with the Veterans Administration, and um, they didn't have the uh, return to work um, pieces in place to support him at the time. So as I was unfolding into my return to work career and learning about some of the strategies to support positive returns, we definitely did. Um, employ some of those with him mm -hmm. and um, you know we were trying to get him back to a regular employer because he had been out for a while um, but yeah we um, definitely aggressively um, contacted employers in our community which eventually got my husband back to work after being out for several years yeah. Um, so yeah really um, being there next to him but yeah using the things that I had learned over the years to be able to yes ultimately get him back into a no-touch driving position when he needed to have sedentary work so um, yeah it was really incredible to see that it's got to be rewarding to know that you helped do that right it was and it all comes back to a handshake it really does yeah so if you're out there meeting new people don't be afraid to introduce yourself because you never know what that introduction is going to do and how you impact people right I mean yeah. you all both speak at events and and dr. Claire you you do a lot of speaking do you do you find uh, I, I imagine you make it an extra effort to try to introduce yourself to people new to the industry or if they come up to you I, I'm sure you try to help them out as well right absolutely yeah. I think I've learned so much from Josh Diggs. He is out of California and runs Modern Rain Insurance Brokers. And he, if he can make time for 100 cups of coffee, like every 30 days with right. people, uh, we can all make time. So I always offer, like, do you wanna do a coffee chat, a virtual chat? If it's at a conference, like, hey, I'll meet you in the morning. Um, most recently, I wanted to make time for Nicole Corey when we were at CLM last week for CLM's Restaurant, Retail, Hospitality, and Workers' Compensation Conference. And so I was like, hey, just come to my room, 7.30 in the morning, you just come right on in and you know, authentically, I will just be getting ready, And but I wanted to make time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's always important that I, I don't like the word busy and anyone that wants to tell me that they're busy, I will absolutely You're laugh in your face because that's about as good as fine. Right. But you can make time and it is, when you're in a leadership position, it is your job and your duty to make sure that you're bringing people along with you. So you have to create that time for it. But yeah, anyone that reaches out to me on LinkedIn too, I always offer it. Yeah, and then if you are ever a student of mine, we always do one-on-ones now. 
that was going to be my next question. If anybody wants to connect and has any more questions about what it was that you talked about, best way to get a hold of you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Check her out. Dr. Claire Musselman, thank you again for being with us. Thank you, Todd. Uh, in this appreciate kind of neat new way that we're doing things. And yeah. Natalie, thank you so much. We appreciate you spending some time and telling your story. And um, thanks. You're going to come back on, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be Thanks for listening to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. Now, if you have a story to tell or know someone that does, please don't be shy. Email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great week.